on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Everyone knew that. They knew it before the January 6th committee was even formed. They knew that this was just the left finding yet another avenue for a witch hunt against conservatives. And just like their previous attacks on President Trump were, the January 6th committee was nothing short of a witch hunt. Everyone knew it before, before it even got started. So, but doesn't stop, you know, Liz Cheney and doesn't stop Adam Kensinger from joining that committee and being really front and center in their agenda in their pushing of the January 6th uh, mission. So here we are, we're in 2022, we're in early February 2022, a solid six months afterwards, and the RNC suddenly discovers that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, you know, they really shouldn't be on that committee, and they took a vote to censure them. Well, censure, number one, if you're a long-term, if you like to be a long-term representative and, and run campaign after campaign after campaign, um, then uh, you need to get money from the RNC. So part of censure, the punishment is you get no money. Well, Adam Kinzinger has already announced he's not running again, and Liz Cheney realizes she has no chance on the planet Earth of being reelected to the U.S. House out of Wyoming. Her primary challenger is outraising her, and, and, and all the polling shows that the people uh, of the good state of Wyoming have had just about enough of Liz Cheney. So the censure isn't really hurting the two people they're censuring. And the censure comes months and months and months after the January 6th committee was formed and all the damage has been done. So I'm saying my first five, my point is this, the RNC decided to censure these two characters sitting on the January 6th committee, you know, uh, cooperating, conspiring with a Democrat agenda to bring down Trump, bring down his supporters, you know, just forever tarnish his reputation. The RNC decided to do that. There can only be a political reason. It's not a reason because they finally tuned into them one day or made they suddenly realized, wow, look at that. We got two Republicans on this committee. They realized that the GOP base is outraged. The GOP base is outraged that you have two alleged Republicans who might get money from the RNC if people make donations to the RNC who then distributes it around to the candidates who need it. And so they suddenly go, hey, wait, wait, wait. We don't want our base to be mad at us. The RNC did not act out of nobility. It did not act out of morality. It acted out of pure, in my opinion, pure, raw political calculation that they better sound like they're down on the January 6th committee because they understand now the GOP base is outraged at the way the January 6th committee is conducting itself, outraged by the scope of their investigation, by the kind of accusations they're making that anyone you know who participated in a trump rally in the final few months of his campaign you know maybe somehow is responsible for occurred in january 6. it was a witch hunt of extraordinary proportion maybe not as bad as the trump russia collusion hoax but somewhere in that ballpark and the rnc suddenly woke up purely raw political calculation to say we better sound like we don't like this very much that's why they censured these two these two don't care they're, neither of them cares. It's not going to affect them. 
but it is going to make the RNC, they hope, resurrect the RNC in the eyes of many voters who are saying, where are they standing up for our party? When you see the Democrat witch hunt going after the, the most recent GOP president and all of his followers, the RNC finally realizing, hey, we better look like we showed up and we care. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. And the audio is fixed. Thank you, Mr. Becker. Okay, so I want to hit today a bunch of great stories. Um, I want to talk about the truckers, freedom fighters. I call them freedom fighters or rebels. I just want to say this. You know, back when America was founded, prior to its founding, when you had the, found, the, uh, the well, who we think of as the kind of the leaders of the American Revolution, meeting, talking in New England, you know, trying to figure out what they should do, uh, you know, it, because King George was increasingly tyrannical and unfair and not listening to them and they could not make headway. And they finally said, okay, you know, we have to have, we're going to stand up, we're going to assert our independence, we're going to stand up and have a revolution against the tyranny of King George. Now, from our perspective, the American perspective, this is a glorious uprising of freedom. This is a great thing. You know, this is a, uh, th these are freedom fighters. That's who they were back at the time of the founding. Now, England might have had different opinion at the time. They saw these people over here as rebels. These founders who were, how dare they stand up against King George? But back then, and definitely by the, by, uh, the advantage now of hindsight, you can see that the noble ideas the American founders stood for at the time of the founding were you know, timeless truths, eventually getting woven into the wording of the Declaration of Independence, woven into the Constitution. These are timeless ideas. The idea, for example, that man has the right to have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, has God-given rights, is not limited in his rights to what the monarch of the week decided you can have or the government today decided you can have. This God-given liberty was a profound motivating force in the minds of the founders. And now I turn to what's happening to the, in the trucker thing in Canada, it's exactly the two, same thing. It is not two morally, two morally equivalent sides, you know, kind of duking it out whether the truckers protest is gonna win and they're gonna force Justin Trudeau to drop all the COVID mandates. It's not two equal, equally valuable, valid ideas. The truckers are standing for freedom. They're standing for the freedom, just like the founders of America stood for freedom. They're saying, you cannot limit us. You cannot treat us as though we're not able to be, not able to function, not able to do what we want to do. You can't treat us as though we're your subjects. We are not going to commit. We're not going to submit to your mandates, to your tyranny, and. You had the uh, and the just amazing energy growing in Ottawa out of this truckers um, revolt, this truckers freedom convoy, and um, it, it's, just, it's galvanizing the world. I'll tell you very quickly. There are now um, uh, find their lists I made here very quickly, but there are now truckers protests happening in New Zealand, in America, uh, across uh, Western Europe. People are just saying, yeah, you know, the whole world has been subjected to COVID tyranny for two plus years. And the longer it goes on, the more in the minds of the ruling class, it becomes the presumptive norm. The idea that, yeah, we just let people know every week, every month, what they're allowed to do based on the current state of some virus or some mutation or some vaccine we're waiting for, that the people's freedom is 
is, is within the control of the, the powers that be in the world to decide whether you have your freedom or not. We'll let you know every week whether or not because of the status of COVID, the number of new cases, uh, the status of a vaccine, whether we have a mutation, whether we have a new virus, how much freedom you have. is dawning on the truckers and people around the world that we're beginning to lose that spirit of freedom that really is a sort of the Western civilization spirit of freedom that founded America because we're waiting to be told what we're allowed to do. This is why the truckers' protest in Ottawa has gained so much ground. It is glorious to behold. I want to play one clip I sent to Mr. Becker. And this is these people who are, it's, I, they're out of order. Sorry there, Mr. Becker. Um, to, just to keep you on your toes. Um, this is the one, uh, it's a video of these Polish immigrants. Video of these Polish immigrants. Okay, these people are, they came from communism. They're immigrants to Canada. And they're in Canada, and they showed up at the truckers rally. Mr. Becker, let's play them. Thompson Television, the best woman from Vancouver. <laughs> she, Thank you. Show me what's happening. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from Polish. Are you okay? From Community. Polish store. Yes. From Toronto. Oh, look what they're bringing in. They're eating better than us. Wow, I wish I was a trucker, man. Bread. Food. That looks like a barbecue right there. Looks like they're going to be eating really well for a really, really long time. What's going on behind the scenes? Who are you? I'm Bernadette, and we came here with Anna from Toronto. We brought 1,550 Polish sausages for our truckers. We brought some bread and buns and Polish uh, donuts and you know what we know that they drive so we didn't bring alcohol but should they request some Polish vodka we're very happy to bring that too. <laughs> okay that is wonderful why did you do this because we stand behind them we come from communist country and we came here because we didn't want to have oppression we wanted to live in a free country and for the last two years we're living like prisoners. We are being told to stay at home. Uh, we're told not to go to the restaurant, not to go to the church. I mean, this is unbelievable. During communism times, we were able and free to go to the church. And there were times over here where, where we couldn't. So I, I really can't, can't take it anymore. So I'm going to be coming here with the food weekly, bi-weekly, uh, every two or three days until it ends. God bless that lady. That's, I, I think that's the sweetest thing ever. These women, they came from Poland and her entire quote, quote um, I didn't put it in the top of the tweet I sent to Mr. Becker. Her entire quote was, we came from communism. We came for freedom. We came to not live under this and we're not going to have this, basically not going to have this country become communist. And I want to make a point about, as some of my listeners may be saying, well, but all these restrictions related to COVID, they're not trying to impose tyranny. They're just trying to keep us safe. They're just trying to make sure we stay well. Number one, the government has no right or power to take away your freedom just because they think they know how to keep your health safer than you do. They don't have the right to do that. If they try to outlaw cigarettes, which, you know, I wouldn't care, but people who smoke cigarettes might, that would be the same argument. We're going to take away cigarettes. We're just trying to help you. And people would say, hey, wait a minute. It's my life. And the same is true of many other dangerous behaviors, food substances, People have individual freedom and they want to get to exercise it. So that's happening in Canada. I just can't tell you how much I love that. I love that spirit. I love the spirit of this, pro this trucker protest spreading around the world. Um, but 
On the other side of things, we do have the uh, Ottawa authorities, the mayor in Ottawa, the Ottawa authorities, uh, really, really cracking down on the truckers. And so what's happening in Ottawa, they now have this massive area of Ottawa filled with truckers and national, and they're in their trucks. And some of them apparently have families with them, families with them. And so they're in their trucks and you probably tell, looking at that one lady, it's cold up there. I mean, you know, it's cold here in Dallas. It's really cold up there in Ottawa. So the truckers had had people providing them, bringing things in. One thing was fuel because the way they can stay warm is keep their trucks running or turn them on once in a while, get, the, yeah, get heated again. So the Ottawa authorities have decided as a way to crack down on these um, on the truckers' protests. They, they want the truckers to go away. And the truckers have issued a statement, we're not leaving until the COVID mandates are dropped. We're not leaving until you drop the mandates, end the mandates, we're not having mandates, we're not gonna have you take our freedom. And so the response of the authorities has been to try to kind of starve them out. One way was to go after the fuel they have. And I sent Mr. Becker several clips. Um, this was one. This was a, the very first one um, after I said several clips in this article, blah, blah. First one on YouTube. Let's play that one. Uh, Ottawa police and the Royal Mounted Police standing guard blocking access of the truckers to their fuel. They're blocking access to the fuel so the truckers, all these people donated fuel, showed up, brought up so they have it there to support the truckers and so that is the authorities blocking access saying no you can't have your fuel. This is one tactic the Ottawa people are doing. Next thing they did, uh, and this is actually I believe it says second, uh, they went away and um, and they came back and they actually took their, yeah, just do uh, clip two, if you would, please. Okay, so this is these people coming in and they have been, the police have been sent in to actually remove the fuel, to take it away so the truckers cannot continue the protest because they can't keep their, their cabs on and it's too cold to sit there. And so they're, they're coming in. Now listen, turn the audio on on the, on the video, please. On the wrong side of history, every single one of you, shame, shame, shame. Okay, what he, what he said, I'm glad I caught right when I did. You're on the wrong side of history. You're on the wrong side of history. That's what this protesters, because it's out in, the, in Ottawa, it's not just the truckers, there's 7,000 on average every day showing up, citizens to support the truckers. And so these people are yelling at the police who are coming to take away their, uh, their um, fuel for the truck. You know, shame, you're on the wrong side of history. And I gotta tell you something, people. I know this can seem like just a dispute that's going to end in, you know, six months and COVID will be over and the government, everything will go back to normal. But more and more people are realizing that what is occurring is this, this perpetual, ongoing, incremental loss of freedom. And the idea that people will say, well, you know, right now everything seems okay, but now the government has decided that they can tell us next time there's a problem and next time we have to stay home and next time we have to mask up and next time we have to, you know, shut our businesses. And they're trying to say this is bigger than just COVID, bigger than the COVID mandates. It's a, they're fighting back against this attempted shift away from the promise of individual liberty 
you know, heart and soul America idea. And even in Canada, they have, even though they're more socialist than America, Canada has that spirit of freedom. And that's what, why, why this protest is grabbing people's hearts because it's bigger than about COVID and COVID mandates and vaccine mandates and passports. It's about the idea, you, you can not treat us like your subjects. We will not tolerate tyranny. We will not comply with your mandates. And so these people are just, you know, trying to say to the uh, officers, you know, that you're on the wrong side of history. History, eventually, freedom will win. We're not going to become a third world country with a dictatorial government telling us everything we can do and taking away our fuel, starving us out. And, and you know, that protester is right. If the police continue engaging and trying to harm the truckers, harm the protesters, they are on the wrong side of history. I'm going to get more of that in just a minute. But and one other clip was, the same article was about, um, was about the, when they're actually taking away, they're loading the fuel and one guy is is videoing uh, when they're, this is um, from uh, Marianne Magatu writes that, that uh, clip, uh, Mr. Becker, if you play that one. These guys are taking our fuel and they're gonna let these guys, they're gonna let these families freeze. He said he was gonna arrest me for mischief. Like this guy right here, you have family, don't you? And what would your kids do if they froze in a fucking truck trying to fight for the freedoms? What would you guys think? I know it's hard for all of us, but we have to be in this together. What's the charge? No. What's the charge? He's gonna charge us with mischief, and they're taking our fuel. Because you're bringing. There's kids with. There's families here, little infants, and they're gonna let them freeze. But I'm not aware of that. I mean, is there a law that you can't do? They're gonna charge us with mischief, and they're taking our fuel. There's kids here. It's just absolutely disgraceful. They're stealing our fuel. This is for this is for the family. Okay, there was there's one more. I can't do them all. There's another one where they're they're pulling away the trucks. They have literally now the Canadian authorities have taken all this fuel away from the truckers, uh, and the truckers are driving away. And you know the protesters are not doing anything violent, but they're they're just you know they're trying to make the same message this guy is saying is you know whose side are you on? I have to say you know it's a really profoundly consequential time in history, not just in America, but in Canada, in free countries, a profoundly consequential time because this growth of this mindset uh, within the ruling class elite, the ruling elite of both parties and all over the country that says, we're really here to take charge, take care of you, force you to do what we want you to do. Uh, that ruling class mindset uh, is growing and it is profoundly antithetical to the founding idea of America. Absolutely opposite, you can't have both. And this, this ruling class idea is kind of like, we're not trying to be mean, we're not trying to pick on you, we're not trying to tell you you're bad, we're just telling you that we know better than you do whether or not you should have to have a COVID vaccine, whether you should have to wear a mask, whether you should socially distance, whether your business can be open, whether you should be allowed to go anywhere, restaurants, churches, anywhere without a vaccine passport. We know better than you, and you don't get to make your own decisions about your own life anymore. It's a, and, and that morphs into, and we're gonna be talking about the next several weeks, it morphs into the mindset of China and the China social credit score system. Now, I wanna remind you guys something, back when COVID got started, there were conservative pundits saying things like, you know, if we submit right now, we just kind of go along with what the government's saying, 
you know, we're going to have, uh, we're going to get to where we're going to have a social credit score system in America. We're going to, and every, you know, all the media, the left-wing media mob, mockery mob, you know, jumped on board. Oh, that's so ridiculous. These people are silly. And, you know, we're not going to have that kind of thing here. And yeah, we are actually. The vaccine mandate, vaccine passport, that's the beginning of it. The government telling you whether or not you can be in public at a restaurant, at a, at a theater, at a museum, at a library without the approval of the government getting the shots they want you to get, even though you don't want them. And in the case of people who've had COVID, you don't need them, according to doctors. You don't even need them. But this is this social credit score system, this concept that the founding premise of life is you wake up in the morning and you wait to be told how many freedom, what kind of freedom I have today, which freedom has been taken away, where am I allowed to go? And in China, it has become so oppressive, so extreme, but that society has been subservient to the Chinese Communist Party mentality for so long that it was fairly easy to implement this social credit score system which determines all sorts of things about your life, your children, where you can live, what kind of place you can rent, what kind of place you can buy, whether you can go on an airplane, whether you can travel, whether you can leave your house. The social credit score system is massively oppressive in China and it's imposed in a society that's already kind of used to tyranny, that has lost that, that glorious spirit of America, the presumption of liberty, the right of the individual to live in freedom. And this is why there is such a strong protest, not just the truckers, but around the country, because people see it's not just the COVID issue. It's the concept of whether or not the government is going to replace you as the decider of the kind of freedoms you have. So protests ongoing in Canada, uh, you know, many people um, trying to support the truckers. Oh, and speaking of supporting the truckers, I was going to mention this GoFundMe story. I know you guys probably all followed it over the weekend, but it's very, very, it's truly amazing that it happened. So GoFundMe is this, you know, online platform and all sorts of people can get help from GoFundMe. Like, and I've seen them where I've donated to, you know, a police officers killed in the line of duty. You can donate money to his family. Uh, you can donate money to all sorts of causes. It's a way, it's, it's like a crowdsourcing. It's a, it's a fund sourcing, fund sourcing. So you go online, you form an account, GoFundMe, and then people can make donations. And, and, and they do it because they care, whether it's about individual case of a you know, fallen police officer or a fallen firefighter, or it's a big cause. And GoFundMe, the whole point of it is, you send money into them, into the designated account for the cause you're trying to support, and they turn the money over to the uh, people who, for whom the fund was set up. Well, GoFundMe uh, decided after getting, and the final number I heard was nine million something, it might be more than that, nine million dollars from around the world, people putting money in saying, yeah, I want to support the truckers. I want them, I want them to stand strong. I want them to have the financial wherewithal to stand strong. Well, first GoFundMe said they weren't going to release the money to the truckers until they got a written statement explaining the lawful use of the money. Like they were trying to just push back and, and refuse to transfer donations made by individuals to the truckers. They next said last Friday, I think it was, they announced that they were not going to distribute the money to the truckers. They're going to instead uh, give it to charities. So you gave, say you, you're a, you know, you gave your widow's mite, you gave $10, that's all you had, or you gave, you know, $10,000. I don't even know the range of donations, but they had millions of dollars. And GoFundMe said, and, and everyone who gave that money intended to go right to the truckers. GoFundMe says, no, I don't think so. And we're going to give this other to charities. And they threw in some, yeah, but if you want to try to get it credited back on your credit card, you know, we can maybe cooperate with that. 
Well, they got such pushback, such, uh, I mean, just enormous social media pushback that they announced uh, yesterday, I guess, you know, actually, okay, 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 we'll give all the money back. They will not facilitate the transfer of donations to the truckers. And I raise this story to tell you again how powerful the anti-freedom movement is in the world. How powerful the socialist, anti-American, anti-freedom, communist movement is in the world. That whoever runs GoFundMe has bought into the argument that truckers standing up for freedom, trying to stand up against the vaccine mandates, should not be the recipients of donations. They shouldn't get money. People standing up for freedom aggravate leftists. And to the GoFundMe world, people, you know, it's just easier to just give in to that leftist pressure. Okay, okay, you know, I'm sure leftists, you know, the, the leftist mob that runs, that, that, you know, is everywhere all the time, got a hold of GoFundMe and said, you can't possibly be thinking of transferring money to these truckers, these obstreperous truckers who are standing up for freedom. We hate freedom. So GoFundMe, you know, finally said they give the money back because they got so much pressure on it. But another organization called Give, Send, Go, Give, Send, Go, Christian Backing, they, they uh, stood up in the gap right then and said, we'll help the truckers send the money to us. So Give, Send, Go, I'm sure the money number is much higher now, but it, they, they get up to a million dollars in like, I don't know, it was like 24 hours or something. So, and you know, it's a funny thing about the truckers. Let me remind you of something else. The, uh, Demo the formerly Democrat Party, now the Marxist Party of America, they used to say, we're the party of the workers. We're the party of the little guy. That's who we stand up for. And they're the ones that hate the freedom movement, hate the truckers, hate the idea anyone ever, ever, ever protests against vaccines. Those are the people. So the left trying to claim they are the party of the working people no longer connects with reality. You know, we're coming up in about a minute on a break for our radio listeners. First of all, if you're listening on radio, I want to thank you for listening so very much for listening on radio. Tell you a couple of quick announcements in this last minute before you go to commercial, and then I urge you to come back after the commercial. In this last minute, number one, Mr. Becker, I want to quick tell people how they can text into our show and join our texting family. Everyone on radio, you can use your phone in the text, in, your, in the two line of your text, enter 53445. 53445. And in the body of the text, type the word America. You'll get a quick response back from us. So welcome to our family. And you can participate in the upcoming polls. We're going to do polls on Tuesdays, a poll question. I'll tell you the answer on Wednesday. So join our texting family. Also want to urge you on radio, if you're listening, especially for the first time, to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org americacanwetalk.org. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can join for a mere $50 a year to support this show. You can donate to the show. You can read our blogs and everything else we do on this show. Come right back after your break. For those of you listening online, okay, I have a little three-minute segment. I've lost our radio listeners for three minutes. I just want to tell you one little quick story. Um, really, um, I mean, example of how insane this mask mania mask mania has become. So in Virginia, uh, they have a newly elected Republican governor, uh, Glenn Youngkin. And honestly, I will tell you that I was, if you listen to the show very often, you know, I was a little bit dubious about him. I mean, know he's got an R by his name. Wasn't sure if he's going to be a real solid Republican. He has come out of the gate swinging. I mean, he has been fabulous standing up 
um, in, in Virginia for conservative values. Well, one thing he did, he's, he's, and he did a little you know, campaign event or a political event to advertise it, he is going to try to get passed in Virginia, get rid of all sales tax on groceries. Let me just say, I, I actually thought no states even had sales tax on groceries, uh, but they do in Virginia. And he's basically saying, it, it, the worst thing is, it's a tax on things you need for, uh, and falls on the backs of people who cannot afford it. And so he's on this mission to try to drop this, the sales tax on food. So he goes to a grocery store, you know, campaign opportunity, video opportunity, cameras rolling. He's saying why it's so important. He's not going to have a grocery tax in the great state of Virginia. And he has, runs into a Karen, a woman who's just hysterical about masks. So Mr. Becker, want to play our friend from the grocery store. Governor, where's your mask? We're, we're, all, we're all making choices today. Yeah, so. look, look around you, Governor. You're in Alexandria. Yeah. Read the room, buddy. <laughs> He's my governor. Just like that. I get to say what I want. I pay for my groceries. Okay, number one. I don't know, actually, Mr. Becker, if you can do this. If you can back through, back through that tape. This woman... You see how her mask is? She, it's, it's open on the sides. I mean, she, she has a mask on. It's not one of those really super duper masks. You know, it's brand, brand X. But she ha I mean, it's not even fitting to her face. So as she's speaking, there you go. So there she is, not even fitting her face, blathering, yelling across an aisle at the governor who's there to celebrate, which most people are probably happy to hear. Hey, we're going to end sales tax on food. This sounds good. I'm mean, truly astonished they had it. But there she is, just having a meltdown. But I really want to say about her, I, I'm, I don't, I sound, I am critical of people who act that way in public. I am critical of people who think they have the right to tell everyone else what to do. I am not critical of those who choose to wear a mask. But what our mask mania fear porn over COVID has done is create woman, a woman like that lady in the Virginia grocery store, and I'm sorry for her. Welcome back after our radio listeners. Again, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. You can find our show at americacanwetalk.org. If you're a radio listener, tell you a few quick things uh, before we go on to. We're going to spend the rest of the show talking about the uh, kind of panic ensuing uh, over the uh, presidential potential. A lot of P's in this sentence. Presidential, uh, presidential potential for um, our former um, vice president, Mike Pence. But before I get to that, I want to tell you two things uh, I want to encourage you to do. Uh, number one is, I, I said before the break, I urge you to text in the word America to 53445. Text in America to 53445. We have a great texting family. I never share my texting list with anyone on the planet Earth but I do use it to communicate. I'd love to have you do that. Number two, uh, we have on our website, no, it's not on our website yet. It will be on our website, but to support this show, uh, you know, I, I accept donations and I appreciate it. It's a listener supported show. I mean, people write in checks to, to, to support this show. I deeply appreciate that. But another way you can support this show and get something fun and good for yourself is to go to mypillow.com at mypillow.com. And I got to tell you, I'd hear these ads before other people's shows and think, why should I do that? I mean, I don't really want to be bothered, but on MyPillow.com, they have an amazing array of products, an amazing array of products. My husband, and I'm only going to tell you the ones I know are wonderful because my husband and I have bought them. Pillows, truly extraordinary, high quality pillows, 
I mean, they're just very, and they're right now at great sale prices. Pillows, uh, bath towels that actually absorb. You ever bought really, really pretty towels, but they don't really absorb water very well, which makes them useless. And these are, these pillows, these are towels at mypillow.com. Great quality. They have the really big kind that kind of, that I really like. They have slippers. They, uh, we have sheets. They have bathrobes. They have a whole uh, plethora of products, many other products. But if you go to mypillow.com, when you're ordering there, you get up to 66% off, up to 66% off by putting in promo code at the end, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. I urge you to buy what you'd like to have at that place, bring gifts to your friends. Everyone's going to love getting these products because they're great products and they're a small way to help our show. You get discounted prices, high quality products, and I get a small percentage and that allows me to keep this show on air. So I'd love if you would donate to that. Okay, back to where we are. We're going to talk about um, Vice President Pence. Okay, President Trump put out a, um, a statement related to January 6th. And you know, President Trump is still obviously very involved politically, very uh, acutely involved, you know, um, strongly involved in, uh, in American politics and, and helping, right? He's uh, making endorsements, not all of which I agree with, which I agree, but he does make endorsements. Um, and he's doing rallies and the rallies are wonderful and people show up. I mean, he's just really, uh, he's, he's actively engaged in the same messages and, and uh, tone of his campaign, which was, he stands up for America, not the ruling class, not the uniparty, but for America. So, but President Trump put out a statement basically in which he was uh, saying that he was very disappointed uh, in Vice President Pence uh, over the January 6th episode. And on January 6th in the Congress, he, Trump, uh, thought that Mike Pence should have done more, Vice President Pence should have done more to raise attention to the fact that there was massive election fraud in the January, in, in the November 2020 elections. Now, unfortunately, uh, in full candor, the way Trump wrote his statement is unfortunate because I don't even think he meant these words, but he wrote essentially um, that Trump could have, that, excuse me, that at, on January 6th at the Capitol that day, uh, Vice President um, Pence could have, uh, in, in Trump's words, overturn the election. And that's not accurate. And I don't think he even meant that. What he's saying is, you know, Pence just kind of accepted the electoral votes as they came in. Despite that, in both uh, houses, House and Senate, some members voted to send back the electoral votes to some states based on the concern the states had, saying, we're not sure this is accurate. We think there may have been fraud. So Trump is critical of Vice President Pence for not standing up on January 6th. And so, but I, what I really want to talk about, I call this segment uh, presidential panic uh, about Pence, and I really do mean that, and I, I want to try to explain what I'm saying. The political parties, the RNC, as an example, the Republican National Committee, they have Pence on a very short list of people they view as viable candidates to become president, to be a pre the presidential candidate you know, whether it's 2024, 2028, they view him as a widely loved, formerly widely loved, widely respected, you know, appreciated by conservatives, but acceptable to moderates. And they're looking for someone they think could, could you know, really, really carry the day and win an election in America. So Pence has been under increasing uh, since this January 6th day, you know, not just President Trump has criticized him, but many others have just said, you know, he didn't stand up. He didn't even give voice to the idea that there was, you know, 
apparent serious election fraud. And now here we sit in February 2022, and everyone paying attention, whether it's through the, uh, you are aware of the Dinesh D'Souza documentary coming up soon called 2000 Mules, which documents the massive fraud that occurred in the swing states just through the use of people driving around, picking up ballots. Who knows if real people cast those ballots or how many each person cast, you know, piles of ballots running over to one of the ballot drop boxes, all conveniently located in Democrat majority districts, or most in Democrat majority districts, you know, dropping those in, it was an, it was an operation to flood those uh, ballot boxes with votes for Biden. So you have that aspect of election fraud. You have many reports of canvassing, uh, pointing out that the canvassing is not uh, show, showing up as consistent with uh, the vote tallies in those states. You have the election fraud evidence been over many, many, many times. But even back then, even back on January 6th of 2021, there was enough concern that many people are kind of down on, on Pence and saying, you know, you didn't stand up. We, and now we can see it even more and you still didn't stand up. So what we're watching now is an RNC and kind of establishment GOP uh, mission to resurrect the reputation of Mike Pence. That's what's happening. And over the weekend, you saw it. Uh, Mike Pence spoke at the Federalist Society, of which I am a member. I mean, Federalist Society, it's, you know, it's for lawyers and it's, they have great meetings and really, and I've gone to some good meetings, informative meetings, but they had a, uh, a meeting at which, at which Pence spoke. And he's talking about, you know, he couldn't have done a darn thing about it, and he did the right thing. And he was actually, Pence was responding to the statement Trump put out. And since Trump said, you know, Pence could have overturned the election, which it's, it's unfortunate and really inexcusable for Trump to use language like that, because that's not what is the case. But in any case, you know, Pence is defending himself at, these, at this Federalist Society meeting. So you have Pence saying, or what he's saying, and then you have that, you know, saying, I couldn't have done anything could not have done anything further to challenge election fraud, wasn't my job in January 6th, you know, it says all that. But then you have the media quickly trying to pull in all the Republicans they want to get on record saying, so uh, what do you have to say about what uh, Vice President Pence said today? And you got a lot of people saying, you know, they don't want to be in the middle of this mess and they don't want to be choosing between Trump and Pence. And so they're, they're, they're going, well, you know, I think uh, they both have some good points. I mean, the point is what you're watching is a rescue operation by the RNC to resurrect the reputation of Vice President Pence because they still see him on the short list of viable people to win the presidential nomination and win the presidency, assuming they can keep Trump out. I am not on this show advocating for Trump to run again in 2024. I'm not advocating against it. I'm just saying what you're watching is a manipulated, orchestrated effort. In the same way, when in the beginning of the show, I talked about how the um, RNC suddenly discovered that Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney were on the January 6th committee, which is entirely dedicated to destroying the GOP and destroying President Trump and his followers. They finally woke up now in February and said, hey, you know, we don't know that's a very good idea. But back to where we are right now, you know, we, we're watching this kind of elevation of Pence and the effort to have the people in, the, in America who might have, you know, had some concerns convince them, you know, don't, Pence did the right thing, don't worry, don't get all bent out of shape. Well, I just want to urge you to read one, one thing I'm going to mention and, and quote from a little bit. Uh, and that is an article by this woman, Emerald Robinson. Emerald Robinson, and is linked on our website. 
Our website, again, for listeners is americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage under shows, drop-down list of links. The article is called The Treachery of Vice President Pence Explained. And I want to just tell you some things. This isn't just about, you know, leave aside whatever you think about January 6th. Because I know really, really wonderful Republicans, you know, in, in Congress who are friends who think that Pence couldn't have done a thing. And so, and so whatever you think about that. But I want you to think about who Pence is and contrast that with who Trump is. President Trump came along at a time when America had had eight years of Obama, eight years of plunging over the cliff towards socialism. We had the entire country thinking for sure Hillary was going to win in 2016, and then we're going to have eight years of Hillary further plunging America over the cliff to socialism. And then the plan goes, according to Patrick Byrne, who claims he was told this by the Obama team, after you have eight years of Obama, eight years of Hillary, then you're going to have eight years of Michelle Obama. So you have a 24 consecutive years period in America of anti-American leftist socialist government, also known as Democrat Party, and America, the free, the strong, the noble is gone. This was what they talked about doing. Patrick Byrne has said this many times and written about in his blog. He was working with the Obama administration, which is irrelevant to the story right now, what he was talking, working on them with. But he said that way, they called it Operation Snow Globe. They're just going to shake things up, and this is how it's going to go. You're going to have eight years of Barack Obama, eight years of Hillary, and then eight years of Michelle Obama, 24 years. America the free is gone. America the socialist rises out of that uh, disaster and ends up being part of what the left has always wanted, this kind of globalist government. This is the agenda Obama had. Trump was the boulder in the road that stopped that agenda. I think America, no matter what you think about Trump, you hate him, you love him, you hate his tweets, you love his tweets, he was the boulder in the road that stopped that agenda. It stopped the socialist agenda, and it stopped the whole uniparty functioning in Washington because all of a sudden here's a guy who owes neither party anything. He doesn't need their money. He doesn't need their influence. He didn't have what he lacked, and it was a huge lacking, he did not have a full bench of qualified people to serve in top-level administration positions in his bureaucracy and his agencies at the agency head levels and below. He didn't have a deep bench because he hadn't been in politics. And so he got really snookered by quite a few people who he brought in thinking they were probably relatively safe. And they get in there and all they're doing is kind of treading water, holding on to the leftist agenda until they finally can get Trump out of office. But anyway, back to where we are now. So you had Trump who came along and said, I'm speaking for the people, the people rising up. We the people, we run this country. We the people is, is the, the single, it is the sovereign entity of America. It's not the king, it's not the queen, it's not a monarch, it's not the president. The sovereignty of America is the people. And he, he did things that the past administrations on both sides of the aisle had allowed to had just fall off the cliff trying to reinforce the border, trying to fix trade deals so that we did not continue losing American jobs to, the anti, to, the, uh, to China and other entities around the world. You had this president show up in Washington and radically shake things up with almost zero help, almost zero help from the Republicans in the House or the Republicans in the Senate. The Senate did get his nominees through more or less in the courts and more or less in the agencies, but the entire uh, massive slithering of snakes bureaucracy in Washington uh, remained in place. 
So you had Trump go through four years, and many people um, speculated that President Trump chose Mike Pence as a VP because Mike Pence was a known entity. Some people who were a little bit leery or a lot leery about uh, electing an outsider thought, well, that's okay. You know, we'll go with this guy, Trump, because Mike Pence, you know, we've known him forever. He's been a governor. He's been a senator. He's, you know, he's very uh, um, astute, well-informed, very well-spoken, deeply Christian, very honest. So they were okay with it. What many of us didn't realize, I'm just going to tell you some of the ties that the Mike Pence team, as he was vice president for Trump, what the Mike Pence team had, as, and, and this is the reason many people, regardless of what you think about what Pence should have done on January 6, 2021, you need to know these connections just to understand Mike Pence is not a Trump loyalist. Mike Pence is at very best a traditional Republican, a traditional, not a grassroots guy, not a grassroots encourager, not a grassroots guy, and he's not a, certainly not a, uh, a MAGA kind of, of leader. So I'm going to just run through uh, some things that actually are, as my daddy says, a true story, true story of, of what was all about uh, Flynn and why so many people, the more informed you are, the clearer you should be. You do not want this guy to be your president or the GOP candidate in 2024. One was, you know, the whole thing with the Trump-Russia collusion got started when Pence agreed to fire Michael Flynn, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And that was done uh, because allegedly, you know, Flynn had made some phone call uh, to, and, and lied about it or in some way misrepresented it to Pence. Please consider these facts. <sighs> Likely the person who pushed Pence to fire Flynn was none other than Peter Strzok, the disgraced, disgusting former FBI agent. Peter Strzok and Peter Strzok's assistant, Peter Strzok's assistant was Catherine Seaman. And she, Catherine Seaman, was the wife of Mike Pence's chief of staff, Josh Pitcock. We have text exchanges between Strzok and Page discussing infiltrating the White House in great detail. So you got the Strzok team, the FBI, anti, you know, the total anti-Trump FBI, getting into place uh, this uh, Catherine Seaman, who was uh, Strzok's assistant, and married to the, uh, the Mike Pence's chief of staff, Josh Pitcock. So there's, you know, I mean, I always use the analogy of snakes, just slithering snakes all connected to each other. So, the, and then you had um, this, this, um, uh, and they, they were all part of getting Pence to fire uh, Flynn, which then gave rise to the whole, uh, eventually led to the Trump-Russia collusion arguments. On the Ukraine impeachment, a completely farcical, absurd, ridiculous, unwarranted impeachment of President Trump. Completely unwarranted. And, and I've been over it so many times, I won't go through my, my stump speech again on that. But let me just remind, tell you about something. One of the main accusers of Trump as to what occurred on this call with Trump with Ukraine President, President Zelensky. Remember, it was Trump talking to Ukraine President Zelensky. One of the main accusers was a national security official and Vice President Mike Pence staff. So, so Pence now has somebody who's helping the people who want to impeach Trump in completely unjustified, fallacious grounds, uh, that's how they're trying to get rid of Trump, is through the testimony of Jennifer Williams, State, State Department official named Jennifer Williams, placed on Pence's staff in April of 2019, just in time 
to get involved on the Ukraine call and the subsequent impeachment. She testified against Trump in that Ukraine impeachment, a staffer for Mike Pence. Much more detail on that, but I'll go to the next person. And I'm getting to the point. Okay, one more person, then I'll tell you my point. So the other one person is Olivia Troy, T-R-O-Y-E. T-R-O-Y-E, Olivia Troy. She became uh, the COVID task force, the head of the COVID task force uh, for Vice President Pence, a COVID advisor, Olivia Troy. Um, and she, she was um, the decision to treat COVID virus developed and funded by the U.S. government under the thin disguise EcoHealth. Um, Pence picked as a national security official to advise on COVID who regularly appears on TV now with a framed picture of Dr. Fauci hanging prominently behind her in the house. This is the person, you can't probably see it, the person who worked for Trump, and when she's on TV now, and she's, I mean, she worked for Pence, and she's a big Anthony Fauci supporter. And I'm getting around to saying, I am not saying that Mike Pence is an evil man. I actually think he's a genuine Christian, and I think he is a, a family man. He's a good guy. Mike Pence does not understand two choices. He doesn't understand the battle America's in to hold on to the founding ideas of America, to hold on to freedom, to stop the monolithic, you know, deep state, uniparty control over America, to stop the effort of those leftists who've infiltrated every, every aspect of American government and academia, pushing America towards socialism. He either doesn't understand that's true, in which case he's not mentally qualified to be president because he doesn't understand, he doesn't see the big picture what's happening to America, or worse, he does see it and he's okay with it. That's where we are with Mike Pence. Mike Pence, staffers integrally involved in bringing down Trump. Mike Pence, you know, always a smiling guy, nodding along, yeah, MAGA, MAGA. The guy is not on board with the agenda. You don't have people on your staff like that. And, and he was someone contrasted with Trump Mike Pence has a very deep bench. He can go back to, that was he has Indiana, Illinois, I think Indiana. He's got a deep bench in Indiana, people who can support him and come and help him. He's got a deep bench in Washington. He did not have to take the State Department plants into his office and into his, um, into his uh, circle of trust inside, um, in, inside the, um, the vice, president, vice presidential administration. There is going to be in the coming weeks an attempt by the left to blow up this battle between Trump and Pence. And then I get back to what I want to say about America and the job of patriots. It's not enough to ally yourself with a political party. You have to have one to get anywhere. And heaven knows the Democrat Party's agenda, they are, they are as far left as they've ever been in all of American history. They are socialists. If you read their agenda, very similar to Marxist agendas all over the world. The left's agenda is Marxist. So they're never, the Democrat Party is never a good choice. But on the Republican side, the platform is good, the principles are great, and there are people within the party who stand up for those principles. But there also are people in the party who just want to be kind of the mirror reflection. You got the DNC running the Democrat side and the RNC running the Republican side. And they're kind of locked arms and they're kind of similar and they're kind of the ruling class. And in the RNC side and certainly the DNC too, they're largely shaped and molded by the views of people who donate money. The RNC is not a branch of the government. It is not a branch of the, uh, you know, it is, it is a club. It's a club made up of very high dollar donors who say, I'll write this check. 
I'll give you this money, but you got to take this position on this, this position on this, support this person, oppose this person. They run the party, and, and you know, what's the party going to do? They, can't, they need donations, and they get the money from people, and that's how they make decisions. I'm just encouraging you as a grassroots patriot to think of yourself as someone, your job is to be the smartest, best patriot you can on every issue. Look at the people yourselves. Look at the issues yourselves. Arrive at your conclusions. Don't decide, I let the party think for me. It's not, we can't afford that. And especially if the party's going to come out and say, hey, Mike Pence, he's our best choice. Sorry, he has no idea what the left is doing to this country. No idea taking in staffers from the, the then State Department and the FBI who are in, into his staff helping them undermine Trump. You need people who see the big picture of America, the big picture of what's happening. And that's our job as patriots, to fight for the very ideas of America's founding the very ideas of America's greatness and goodness. So if you see this whole effort to, to you know, uh, the media is going to try to pump up this, oh, Pence versus Trump, and now they're not speaking is terrible. Don't buy into that. Be positive. Look for the things you believe in, the things you agree with. Stand up for them. Stand up for candidates that support them. Stand up for the candidates who you think will fight for America. And that is the best you can do. And it's the only best thing to do as a patriot in America. One more thing, we're going to lose our radio listeners in just a minute, in about one minute, so I want to mention one other way you can support this show. Again, my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is America Can We Talk. The website is americacanwetalk.org. In addition to joining for $50 a year at the website or making a donation or going to my pillow, you can also purchase a beverage, which I now drink Every day, every morning, first thing in the morning, I drink one of these and I don't have, I wait about 20 minutes before I start my day. It's called, and here is a picture of it right here for those uh, watching, uh, it's called H2Bev HydroShop. The company is H2Bev, I'm going to say it for our radio listeners, H2, the digit 2, Bev, B as in boy, E, V as in victor.com, h2bev.com. You go to that website, you can order, uh, use the promo code DebbieG, get 10% off. It is a hydrogen infused nitrous oxide boost. It is a wonderful way. It brings, it helps with clarity, with your thinking, your focus. Great product for radio listeners. Thanks for tuning in Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central. Talk to you next time. Okay, for those people who are watching, we always close out this show every week by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our first RNC censures Cheney and Kinziger, and they don't care. The January 6th committee was formed in July of 2021, and it took the RNC until this week, February of 2022, to censure the two GOP members, Cheney and Kinziger, for joining. RNC ruling class realized that GOP base is not on board with the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee, which includes Cheney and Kinzinger, their behavior, the committee, subpoenas far exceeding normal congressional oversight, criminalizing an unarmed protest as if it were an insurrection or equivalent to 9-11, ignoring or covering up evidence of FBI possible involvement, and Pelosi's failures that day, Pelosi, who won't release her records, Trump has to release his, she won't release hers, kneecapping Trump from any political future. This is enraging the GOP base, but hasn't bothered the RNC ruling class until, I don't know, this week. Disconnect between the GOP base and the RNC ruling class grew too large for the RNC to ignore, but it is not fixed. And then we talked about uh, truckers and the freedom fighters, why it matters. 
These are not two morally, there are not two morally equivalent sides to this protest. The only emergency is the destruction of freedom created by totalitarian COVID response. Trudeau regime and the Ottawa police are lying and everyone sees it. Truckers are not extremists. They're not white nationalists. They're not homophobes. They're not violent and they're not a fringe minority. Polish immigrants, poignant support of truckers, escaped communism and they aren't going back. Truckers are uniting around the world, perfect group to represent ordinary people who love freedom and the ruling class cannot function without what truckers deliver. And a mask extremist mouths off the insanity of 2022, New Virginia GOP Governor Glenn Youngkin goes to a grocery store to announce the elimination of sales tax on foods, clearly a tax that hurts the poor the most. And a left-wing militant who should be on the side of the poor yells instead about masks. Fear of pandemic and totalitarian response has created frightened crazies all over the country. This did not have to happen to the American people, but the evidence keeps growing. It was planned and intended. Stay tuned on that. And finally, Pence presidential panic. The RNC is a private club run by big donors and incumbents. It is not run and is barely even influenced by the base that is the American people. Mike Pence's recent resurfacing in public, resurfacing in public at a scripted Federal Society event to defend Pence's January 6th decision and denounce Trump for criticizing Pence, followed by the RNC ruling class saluting Pence. It's all designed to rehabilitate Pence as a presidential candidate, as a safe statesman who is a backstop against the unacceptable non-club member Donald Trump. Mike Pence has no chance to ever be elected to national office again. Too many fingerprints on oust Trump efforts, including firing Mike Flynn. Continued silence about election fraud evidence is inexcusable. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America.